Chris Angel love freaks. I just got a little emotional because that's the last time I'm going to say that. Uh, Thank God. Welcome back no. to 12 Months <laughs> of Christmas. <laughs> welcome back to 12 Months of Christmas, the podcast where we, I guess, have finished our quest to find the best Christmas rom-com of all time. Whether we were successful in that quest or not, I don't know, but we're done with it. I'm Em. We weren't this week. <laughs> we could have just ended this podcast last week considering this movie but you know what it's fine <laughs> say your name my name's anna and i hate love actually <laughs> <laughs> coming out strong <laughs> so this was your first time ever watching this how did you avoid it for so long i don't know i think it was one of those things it was one of those movies i always when it was back on netflix had on my netflix queue for like years mm-hmm Oh, excuse me, my Netflix list. That's what we have to call it now. And um, I just had it there because I think I like the idea of watching it, but never followed through. And none of my friends ever watched it with me, I guess. I don't know. It has everybody in it. I was kind of surprised by how many people are in this movie. Yeah, it's it's a chock-a-block full of famos. Um, Mm -hmm. I had seen it before, I think like five years ago at this point. And I don't hate it. I think that watching it every five years is a good amount for me mm. to partake in the love actually zeitgeist, I suppose. I I liked it better this time around just because I was like ready for it to not actually be a rom-com because it's not. But... It's not. There was like maybe one it's... romance and the movie was just like, meh, it happened. Whatever, guys. <laughs> I mean, there were a couple romances. I guess. Just really. There was only one that I was, just like, okay with, I think. <laughs> interesting. I wonder which one it is. Because I'm trying to... I don't think it's that one. Can't be that one. Couldn't be that one. Probably not that one. Fuck, which one is it? It's the one... Huh. Well, I don't want to spoil that because that's going to be my punch up. So, so uh, before we get into our usual five sentence summary, I guess that we got to talk about this a little bit, and I'm probably going to leave this in the edit just to explain what the issue is. There's like nine storylines in this, so I don't know if we can yeah. accurately summarize in five sentences. Yes. So, do we want to expand it to a nine sentence summary or? We might as well. I think some of them could probably be blocked together because they are so just like. This thing happened exactly the way the movie said it was, and then it did. Mm. And like, it, there wasn't any like character building in so many of these stories. But I think just for the ease of being able to listen to our synopsis, we should do nine separate explanations. Okay. Which one do I want to start with? Yeah, really. <laughs> They're all awesome storylines. Story um, okay. Uh, Daniel. Liam Neeson. Oh, is... I wanted to do this one. Okay. Oh, you want to do that one? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, I'll, do I'll it. Do you already one. started. No, no, no. Do it. <laughs> uh, Liam Neeson is the stepfather of Jojen Reed, and Jojen yep. Reed wants to ask out a girl, um, and he's scared to do it. And also, his mom just died, so like everybody's really sad in this household. And so uh, Liam Neeson convinces Jojen Reed to ask the girl out and then there's a big chase to the airport and I guess they end up dating long distance because the girl has moved to America and also Liam Neeson falls in love with a Claudia Schiffer lookalike played by Claudia Schiffer. <laughs> Just some fucking bullshit. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go- Okay, so there's this guy named Colin who is a young man who is not having any luck with women in the UK. So he decides to go to America for a three-week vacation to find someone to bang. And immediately when he lands, he is taken to a bar where he's introduced, or he introduces himself to three women and they go home and have a five-some. And then he returns to England with one of the girls as his girlfriend, I guess, and her roommate. His plan worked. Sarah is a sad girl who wants to ask out Carl, but she has a brother who is mentally ill and she takes care of, and I guess that makes 
fucking difficult because he keeps interrupting her fucking plans. And so she doesn't get to end up with the hot guy and just suspends Christmas with her mentally ill brother. Yay? Yeah. What? Okay. Sure. (laughs) 18-year-old Kira Knightley marries uh, (laughs) Chiwetel Ejiofor. Oh, my God. I just butchered his name. Um, And their best man, played by Rick Grimes videotapes their wedding and Kira Knightley's like I really need a copy of that video because my videographer messed up so can you show me and he's like oh no no you cannot cannot see it it's gone I I erased it all and she's like bullshit and so she ends up seeing it and it's just like close-ups of her face and he's like (laughs) oh I love you and then they don't talk for several weeks until he shows up at their house on Christmas Eve and he does the boombox with the cue cards. You've all seen the clip. And he <laughs> says that he loves her on the cue cards. And they have to stay quiet or else Peter, or Chiwetel Geofor will know that he's there. And um, as soon as he's done with his little performance, Juliet kisses him on the mouth and then goes back inside. Oh, what a <laughs> so many of these ended in a cheat. <laughs> um... Okay, Jamie, Colin Firth, is, uh, gets cheated on by his girlfriend while he's at Juliet and Peter's wedding. And so he goes to France and meets a Portuguese housekeeper named Aurelia, and the two fall in love despite not speaking the same language. Um, but then he goes back to England, and there he learns Portuguese and realizes that he should go propose to Aurelia on Christmas, which he does. And Aurelia, it turns out, has been learning some English as well. So she says yes, and the two get married. Um, Bill Nye plays, like, some Ozzy Osbourne-type character who's just, like, an old aging rock star. And he's recently come out with a Christmas cover of one of their famous, his band's famous songs, and everyone says it's bad and he thinks it's bad but at the end of the year it became the number one Christmas single and Elton John invites him to a Christmas party and he's like no I need to stay with my manager who I've realized I'm madly in love with he no he says there that his manager is the love of his life but in a totally platonic friends only way where they watch porn together and get drunk but still date other women (laughs) this this movie is a coward and they should have been gay (laughs) Um, David is the prime minister and also Hugh Grant Uh, (laughs) that's just that sentence the prime minister is a character as is the president in this movie about love at Christmas Um, (laughs) David the prime minister Hugh Grant is is a new prime minister freshly minted and he falls in love with one of his household staff named Natalie and everyone makes constant jokes about how fat Natalie is despite the fact that she's very skinny and And beautiful and it's just gross there's so many fat phobic things in this movie yes yes and um they fall in love but then Natalie gets sexually harassed by the president of the United States in a very prescient move um, by this movie. Yeah, honestly, this came out in 2003? What? Well, I guess we were coming off the Bill Clinton stuff. That was probably what that was. I don't know, I guess. I guess. Um, I don't know. It was maybe the joke there. I don't know. Uh, or they just thought that George was, like, really dirty behind closed doors. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, this the president sexually harasses Natalie, and David sees this, and it makes him more powerful to protect Natalie, I guess, but... He turns into super prime minister. He turns into super prime minister because he's realized that the country represented by Natalie is worth protecting from foreign politics represented by the U.S. president. Um, Yeah. But he also realizes his feelings for Natalie are too strong, so he, in a respectable move, pulled off very stupidly... uh, has her relocated to go work somewhere else. But then he realizes he's in love with her and goes to find her on Christmas and the two make out at a Christmas pageant. And then I guess they're a couple now. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. (sighs) Professor Snape is married to Professor Chelani. (laughs) And 
Um, instead of being in love with his wife, Professor Safe is actually like doing a cheat with one of his employees and he buys her a necklace, but Professor Chalani, I guess because she knows divination, um, found out about the necklace because, okay, I just have a lot of thoughts about this one. Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. When you're going to give a gift to your mistress, don't put it under your family Christmas tree where your wife can find it and assume it's for her. Anyway... (laughs) (laughs) Professor Jelani, with her divination, finds out that there is a fancy jewelry gift, but surprise, it's not the gift from her husband that she opens on Christmas Eve, and this makes her sad and confirms the fact that her husband is cheating on her, and she lets him know that she knows, and then that's it. Nothing happens. They're still together a month later. Okay, Martin Freeman. I think that's everyone. Nope, we got one more. Martin Freeman is a naked man. For a movie in which they need naked people yes. to pose in different sex scenes to check on, like, really, what is this movie? We can get into that later. But I, I didn't realize until I read the Wikipedia article that they're not acting in a porn. They're just filming. Yeah, they're like sex scenes because they're checking. They're checking for lighting and stuff. So they're not filming sex scenes. They're like, yes, they're the stand-ins. Um, yes, and he falls in love with the lady stand-in and they're a couple now i guess they're Ooh, like shit, engaged in shit, the movie it's- shit shit Uh-oh. just spilled stuff all over everything hold on okay i'm dying i'm dying <laughs> i'm so mad okay Okay, hi guys. So I dropped my microphone after spilling juice all over my uh, everything and thought that I was still recording and it turns out I wasn't. So we've talked about this movie for half an hour and none of it was recorded on my end. Um, yes, this is a fact of life. <laughs> so we're just gonna, we're just from here, we're just gonna talk about this movie. I'm and very you guys sorry. are just gonna keep listening and it's all good. Here's some fun jokes we made. They should have made Bill Nye's character gay. <laughs> yep, that was a joke we made earlier. <laughs> the music was really lame and not Christmassy at all. The music is bad and old. Uh, women have no agency in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a weird scene where one of the characters wraps herself in a blanket instead of putting her clothes back on, and we made some really good jokes about that, but like now too bad you don't get to hear them. Yeah, we had a lot of discussion about soggy underwear. <laughs> but that's lost to time forever. Well, no, my recording's still there. Half of it is lost to time forever. <laughs> uh, let's just here, let's do this. Because we also lost all of me defending um, Rick Grimes. Well, you know, it, I think it's because you defended this movie and that's, you know, that's just what happens. <laughs> You liked this movie a little bit more, and then the world didn't want you to discuss that. (laughs) Let's do this. Top three things that you liked about this film and top three things that you hated about this film. And we'll go back and forth. Well, you have to go first because I need time to think. Okay. um, I liked that this had a broader definition of love than a typical rom-com slightly broader not very much broader but slightly that's yeah that's fair i liked when i oh, see it's liked tinged with a little bit of hate i liked <laughs> when professor snape was buying a gift for his mistress at the jewelry store but had to do it quickly because his wife was about to come back to find him at the jewelry counter and uh mr bean was there as a salesman and he took like six years to wrap this gift and was like now i'm going to add a fresh sprig of holly and professor snape was like no i don't need that just wrap the fucking gift he's like oh no you do (laughs) apparently and we didn't talk about this before apparently in the um original one of the original versions of this script rowan atkinson's character was like essentially the mysterious old man character like where oh he's secretly santa (gasps) or christmas angel or whatever 
Yeah, Yeah, because at the end, he's there to, like, distract the airport guards or whatever. Do they have TSA in other countries, or is that just an American thing? Um, they had, they did have security in this one because they were distracted by... Yeah, but is it um, called TSA? I don't know if it's called TSA, but, uh, they've got something. Maybe the A stands for America. Yeah, and they must have something, like, especially because they referenced 9-11 in this movie. Mm. And, like... I think a couple that times flights going to America would have to be like super obnoxiously checked, right? Because we're assholes and make everybody do what we you want, right? So yeah. I assume there's some sort of something. Anyway, um, talked about this in our uh, which of the ships was the best. I liked mm-hmm. Martin Freeman's uh, plot line with his yes naked co uh stand-in and i think martin freeman should have been in more rom-coms yes martin freeman is so precious um i liked that in this at the end of the movie where hugh grant and natalie are talking in the back of his car about being in love her like nephew or whatever is dressed <laughs> as a giant octopus and is just sitting in between them, not saying a word. And then as soon as she's about to like tell Hugh Grant that she loves him, he's like, "We're here!" And he gets out of the he has to like climb over Hugh Grant to get out of the car. It just like doesn't give a focus the prime minister. Um, I liked. <laughs> Coming up a little blank here. Um, I liked <laughs> when. Marceline the Vampire Queen as a child did a cover of Mariah Carey. (laughs) I also enjoyed this Christmas pageant, but I liked more and had a few questions about. So maybe this is a segment I call the reason for the season. They They were doing a Christmas pageant where it was like a traditional nativity scene, but then a whole bunch of underwater creatures. There was like lobsters and octopuses and fish and stuff like around the nativity scene and i had no idea what was going on during this christmas pageant but i really wanted to know (laughs) okay bottom three things in no particular order (laughs) i disliked that the representation in this film in terms of a lot of things and some of it we already talked about so i'm sorry but um women have no agency in this film the men are constantly like oh I love you. And then the women are like waiting around to have someone come run to their house and say, I love you, um, which is shitty. And the only women Mm -hmm. who are um, like proactive in their love lives either end up unhappy in love or are uh, like, don't end up being with the person. Philanderers. Yeah. Don't end up being with the person that they are in love (laughs) with anyway. So it doesn't matter. Um, Representation of women is poor. There's a whole plot line about two guys who realize that they're the love of each other's lives, a recognition that has come about when one of them attends a party at Elton John's. And then they're both like no homo, though, which is like really fucking stupid. Um, And also, and we didn't talk about this earlier, but White Christmas, the race issue one, um, kind of the same thing as women. There's not really like any characters of color who are central to a love story in this right like Juliet's mm-hmm. uh Keira Knightley's husband mm-hmm. is black but like he's basically not in this movie so, and their storyline right. yep he has like two scenes their storyline is not about them it's about Keira Knightley and Andrew Lincoln and then like <laughs> there's a bunch this is like really heavily leaning into the like we have representation by having like a black best friend because the yeah. the the Colin plotline. He's got a black best friend. Um, Hugh Grant has a black best aide, I guess, who's like the one who he talks to about all of his staffing issues. Um, but there's not of these mm-hmm. many stories, which again there are nine of them. There's not one in which it's like any person of color falling in love does anything right. Noteworthy. Like, I guess the closest might be Sam falling for young Marceline the Vampire Queen. But, like, again, she's barely in the movie and is just an object of yes. Sam's prepubescent lust. Like, none of, none of the women have agency. None of the people of color have agency. When the women want 
something in terms of love, they don't get it. And when, and then people of color don't exist as like objects that have sexual desires. Like they are maybe there to be lusted after or as set pieces (laughs) for the other characters to bounce ideas off of. And it's, and I almost, it almost bothers me more that there are like, best friend characters in this because it's so blatant that that's what they're doing that it's like you did you did you guys not even like think maybe we should have one of these be about like literally anybody besides these white people (laughs) nope um i don't know i'm a low-hanging fruit i hate any storyline that has to do with a cheat (laughs) um so alan rickman this was terrible what you did to Emma Thompson is unforgivable. <laughs> and then the Kira Knightley kiss, not great. Yeah, I I agree. The kiss part is not super great. Like, what was the point? Is she is she like promising him that maybe she feels the same way, or is this like a goodbye kiss? In which case, why did you feel the need? Here's this man forcing his emotions onto you. Just leave him be. Close the door. I think it is supposed to be a goodbye kiss. I argued heavily in favor of the interpretation that um, all of this is Andrew Lincoln trying to exercise his crush so that he can move the fuck on is like the kindest reading of this whole situation. Um, Although I certainly think other readings of it are valid. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it just seems like a weird, it seems like a weird, again, dude centering move of like, well, of course she would want to kiss him to, like, grant him that one thing after he has puked his emotions upon her in this manner. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. Well, and especially if you consider the fact that previous to his accidental love confession, um, Kira Knightley was convinced that that Rick Grimes hated her in this movie. So, like... She was like, "Let's can we just be friends? Like I'm sad that we that we don't that you don't like me and that we don't get along, but I'm like extending an olive branch. Let's just be friends." And then she finds out he loves her, and so then at the end of the movie, she thinks she owes this person a kiss. Like just it also speaks to the whole based on whatness of this film that like everybody's in love with everybody else based on what like they nobody <laughs> nobody has like deep conversations with each other. And I mean like again and I. Yeah. said this in our first recording. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, but like, like there's a difference between having a crush on someone and being in love with someone. Uh, obviously, like everybody agrees with that. Um, mm-hmm. But like, it feels like all of these characters are very much confusing having a crush on someone and being in love with them. Because like you said, Andrew Lincoln has not like seemingly talked to Keira Knightley ever. He just stares at her creepily from across the room and takes close-ups of her face. It's like, that's fine. Well, mm-hmm. it's not fine, but it's like, you have a crush on her. Okay. But like, you're not in love with her and you need to chill. You don't know her. Like, I guess maybe secondhand through his exactly. friend, but that's weird. Um, and then like, same with like basically every couple in this, like we talked about like Jamie and Aurelia, like it's, to me, it's a cute setup of like, oh, we have an instant attraction to each other, but we don't speak the same language. So we're going to learn the same language. But like they agree to get married before they've had a conversation with each other, which is stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that storyline was very stupid to me. Like David and Natalie, Natalie and they don't they don't talk. They they have like a couple really brief like interactions and Natalie brings him food. And based on that, David's like in love with her, which at least that one, it's not played as like neither of them actually say, I think that like, oh, I want to be with you forever or like I'm in love with you or anything like that. They're both just like, OK, we're into she each. She almost does in the yeah. car, but the octopus interrupts. And that can be a little bit more of like celeb crush at that point because like he's this big famous guy, you know, so like mm-hmm. I get that. So at least they didn't like try to be like, oh, it is deep and meaningful. And it's like it's not like it might turn into that, but it's not right now. <laughs> um, OK, my second pick for dumb things in this movie. Uh... Let's see. Why did they bring up 9-11? That was weird. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess you can try and pass it off as like, oh, he's the prime minister of the UK in 2003. Maybe this movie was written in 2002 in the aftermath of 9-11. But like... 
just a, just I don't know. a strange choice. Yes. And maybe I was too young at the time to really understand, like, how people reacted worldwide to 9-11. Like, not the years of conflict that followed afterwards, but the actual event of 9-11. I don't think I was aware enough to be like, oh, yeah, that's definitely how the UK would be like, ooh, sorry, America, about 9-11. We're all worried about it, too, now. Yeah, I don't know. It seemed like a strange, a strange thing to bring up in at the in the first two in a Christmas first two minutes of your Christmas rom com anthology, and then also not acknowledge ever again. So it's not like it was a theme through the movie. It was just like a thing that came up. There was an airport. <laughs> um. Well, you know, we all did promise we would never forget. <laughs> so <laughs> I hated. All of Colin's storyline <laughs> and its unnecessariness. It was weird that they just inserted this sex romp into this movie. Yes, it was like, what kind of movie is this supposed to be? Is it supposed to be a romantic comedy? Is it supposed to be like a teen sex comedy? Is it supposed to be a family drama where Snape cheats on Emma Thompson? Like, what is this? <laughs> what is this movie? The tone was all over the place. I did not care for it. <laughs> um... I hated that necklace. (laughs) It was so ugly. Why were they fighting over that necklace? Necklace in the world. It looked like it was made out of raw noodles, like a macaroni necklace with a big plastic pendant. What was going on? And also, I mean, like, there has been some discourse, I believe, online about like heart-shaped jewelry, jewelry, and whether anybody likes it or not. Um. No, it's ugly. But even if you like heart-shaped jewelry, that was some egregious heart-shaped jewelry. <laughs> it was terrible. It, it was, was like, like something a five-year-old would wear, and because like a Polly Pocket came out of it. Yes, yes. I, <laughs> I, honestly would if I found that in my husband's pocket, and then didn't unwrap it on Christmas. Um, I'd be like. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. It wasn't for me. I don't have to pretend to like that ugly ass necklace. That is not my style at all. I honestly, if I had found it in my husband's pocket, I would have been like, oh, that's nice. He's buying a Christmas present for our (laughs) seven-year-old. Shoot. I just had one in my mind and now I don't remember what it was. Oh, I know what I hated. So... Liam Neeson's wife dies in this movie and but at her funeral she says or in her will or before she died they discussed that he could bring Claudia Schiffer as his date to her funeral (laughs) and then at the end of the movie Liam Neeson meets a woman who he flirts with that is named Carol but is played by Claudia Schiffer like what is this Ocean's 12 bullshit Julia Roberts thing I hate this I hate this don't, like, be like, oh, wow, this woman looks like the famous actress that is portraying her. That's the laziest, stupidest writing. Immerse- immersion-breaking, fourth-wall meta bullshit. Quit it. Would it be better or worse if she was just Claudia Schiffer in this film? It would be better. It'd be like, look, the dead wife's dream came true. Her ex, her, her husband found Claudia Schiffer, and that's the only woman who could ever replace her in his life. Great. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and do punch-up, I guess. (laughs) Erase 90% of this movie. (laughs) Okay. So that leaves you with 10%. Which 10% is it? Okay, erase 80% of this movie. I want a movie that is takes a more in-depth look at the Bilbo Baggins (laughs) storyline. Yeah. (laughs) I want that, and I want it to be expanded, more fully realized, and also the Hugh Grant and Natalie storyline. And I don't know, maybe make it so that instead of being the actual prime minister, maybe Hugh Grant is portraying the prime minister in this movie. And that's where the sex scenes need to be. That's how they can be connected. I don't know. I'm, all I'm saying, though, is that these are the only two storylines I cared about at all. <laughs> Dump the rest. I would maybe throw a Raleigh and Jamie in there because if I feel like if it was longer, it could have been cute. Mm. Like it, they could have. Okay, well, and I want to punch up kind of the segments one by one together and see if we can get them to a place that is better. 
Um, but for Jamie and mm-hmm. Aurelia specifically, if it was just those three, I think if Jamie and Aurelia um, wrote letters to each other after he left, to because it would be like, language. yes, they're both practicing their writing. And then it could be like a cute, like they fall in love while they're like writing the letters back and forth, because then they would have at yes. least communicated in some way aside from eye fucking like, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. obviously my punch up for the. Billy Bill Nye one is that they're just gay like yeah obviously solve that one they kiss at the end they can still watch porn together a hundred percent um the Kira Knightley one I think the the punch-up for that would be that Kira Knightley and Andrew Lincoln are age-appropriate friends for each other before mm-hmm. she met like he introduced her to Peter right okay and so then, like, at least there's a basis there of, like, he's actually in love with her. And or also, you know what? Strike that. Strike all of that. You know how at the beginning of this storyline, there's a joke about, like, Brazilian prostitutes and, oh, would have been better if it turned out they weren't guys. Um, and also there's a joke that or not even a joke, but like a question made by one of the other characters to Andrew Lincoln about if he's in love with Peter. He is. That's it. They're gay, too. <laughs> I was thinking for this storyline, if she was like, instead of thinking he didn't like her, she was like, oh, he must be in love with me. And this makes things awkward. But then when they actually sit down to talk about it, he's like, no, I just hate you. And I think you're bad for my friend. <laughs> but he says it on cue cards quietly. So the friend doesn't hear. <laughs> he has cue cards that say, listen, Drop card. You're 18. Drop card. You shouldn't be married to my friend. Drop card. I find the situation creepy. Drop card. I talked to Peter about it. Drop card. He wouldn't listen. Drop card. I'm uncomfortable and I don't want to be in this situation anymore. Drop card. You're a child. But then the last one just says, enough. I'm upset by my friend's child bride. (laughs) And then he exits their lives forever. It's fine. Okay, um, Professor Snape and Trelawney. What do we got for them? Um, at the end of the movie, Alan Rickman dies. Well, wait, I mean the character. He's already dead. Like, whatever. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> I don't know. It just made me so mad. There's no redeeming the storyline. Either it never happened or something terrible happens to him at the end. Well, here's, I guess here's my question. We didn't really talk about this at any point in either recording. Um, do you think that he was actually, like, physically cheating on Professor Chelani, or was it only an emotional affair? Or, and this, I guess, might be my point, maybe to how this can be perceived better, is that um, I don't, I don't think it ever got to, like, I think it was more he was thinking about cheating rather than actually cheating. Does that make sense? Because he doesn't yeah, seem to I be... Yeah, I definitely... I think there was definitely, like, a desire to cheat mm-hmm. on both of their... But I don't know, because we have... It's five weeks pass. So we don't get, like, every single major event with each of these characters, right. which is another problem I have with this movie. So they could have had something more physical, because they did that close dancing whisper in the ear scene. Um she could have mm. developed into something physical. I just, I can't imagine if you were not having sex with someone, buying them jewelry because they asked for it, you know? <laughs> like, well, but she does, she says, like, um, she wants a present or whatever. And he's like, well, what would, are you going to get me a present? And she's like, oh, I already told you what I would get you, which in a previous scene was, like, her, basically, which is a bad present. But, like. So he's, like, buying uh, her. The assumption is that, like, once he gives her the necklace, that is him saying, like, yes, I do want to start an affair with you, but I don't know if they actually consummate the affair or not. Mm. Um, And I would argue almost that they don't, but I don't know. Maybe they do. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Wikipedia isn't saying anything on the matter. Yeah. Also, we didn't talk about this at any point either it was really weird that she came to that christmas party dressed as a devil huh oh yeah who dresses up for christmas parties like that it was like, i mean maybe that is a thing but like it definitely wasn't at that party because no one else was dressed up like was that. it just like a really heavy-handed metaphor like i think so <laughs> <laughs> um okay david and natalie uh just like 
again, more of them have them ever have a conversation that yeah. is anything. Mm-hmm. Also, I would have really appreciated if when David moved Natalie to a different department or whatever, if mm-hmm. he had a conversation with Natalie about it. Instead yeah, of just don't like, just do it. Just Yeah, like that's her job. Like I get, I do think that he was doing the right thing in that he was feeling like he horny towards her. So he was like, this is inappropriate for me to keep her as an employee in my yes. house. You need to ex- like, you need to have the courtesy to like tell her to her face what the deal is. Yeah. And that doesn't come back. Cause I thought it would both times I've watched this of her being like, she's like not mad at all. Yeah. She's just like, okay, thank goodness you found me. I thought no one would ever love me because of my fat, fat thighs. And it's like, all right, we get it. You have body dysmorphia and everyone around you is contributing to it. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thighs as thick as tree trunks. What? She what? weighs like 140. What are, you, what are you even talking about? Um, okay. Uh, Daniel and Sam. Liam Neeson and Jojen Reed. Oh, I thought this was sweet too. I thought, I like this, um, you know, he has to step up and be a father like mm-hmm. and single parent to his stepson. Which I've, did they ever mention where his dad was? Um, I assumed he was dead just because they don't mention it. But then mm. also, like, it was kind of weird that they didn't mention that. So I don't know. Yeah, because he keeps saying stepdad. But I feel like in order to still have custody of him, he'd need to, like, adopt him formally. I don't know. Um, I did like this. I think I would have liked it more if it was um, more similar to the plot of About a Boy. And then I would just go watch About a Boy instead. <laughs> <laughs> It was cute, though, but it's already been done, kind of. It was a cute vibe, and I do like the idea of, like, oh, young love and all that sort of kind of, like, a kid trying to deal with his first uh, crush, really. Um, Mm -hmm. Yes. The love of his life. (laughs) Yeah. I did feel a little bit, like, everybody was kind of dismissive of the fact that Liam Neeson's wife literally just died. Like, when he called Even Liam Neeson was? They were, like, laughing about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we haven't really talked about how these are all interconnected and whatever, but they are, so don't worry about it. Um, yeah. But Liam Neeson, like, calls Professor Chelani, who's his sister at one point, and is like, I'm sad about my dead wife. And she's like, I don't have time to talk about this. <laughs> Wait, so does that mean Liam Neeson and Hugh Grant are brothers in this movie? Because hmm. Hugh Grant hmm. and Emma Thompson are siblings. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe Liam Neeson's not... I gotta look at the picture. He calls Emma Thompson, and I thought it was because they were... No, they're just friends. Siblings. They're just friends. They're just friends? Okay. I found a chart that shows all the relationships between the characters, and they have a blue line for friendship between their two names. Okay. Um, Sarah, her storyline. Um, I don't know, because Carl kind of seemed like an asshole, right? He was like, oh, you have a brother who requires a little bit more patience and time spent and we couldn't fuck on our first date so bye Eh, okay i i agree that like i don't know because i think that i too would probably be like okay i need to leave if someone was like on the phone with their brother who was in i i believe if i'm reading the second phone call correctly that he was about to try to commit suicide because she says like she says something like talking him down. So like I would also leave at that point because Oh well, yeah. I don't, I don't say like resume sex afterwards, but then to just be like no longer romantically interested in her at all seems kind of shitty. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Carl. I think part of it is that we don't have enough of like Carl to really know if he's trying to be respectful of like her needing to deal with something else and maybe not having the time for a romantic mm-hmm. relationship. Or if he's just like, oh, you mean I can't fuck? Then I don't want to deal with this. Like, you know, because I mean, on the one hand, it's like, yeah, that's shitty. But on the other hand, like, if I was in that situation and some guy I had been out with once was like, well, I'm all in. Let me take care of the situation and help you and your brother. Like, I would be turned off by that, too. So I think it's hard because, like, I guess. Well, you know what? Here's here's my pitch for how to fix it. Um, mm-hmm. They've gone out a few more times by the time that all of this is revealed. Carl uh, 
emails because she says like it's really hard that we're now that we're over here and our parents are back in the u.s right Uh there's some something with their parents are not in the uk um so she's alone dealing with this so carl has i don't know maybe talked to her parents at some point so this isn't like super overstepping boundaries but he sends them like an email and is like hey, I know that Sarah says that she's fine handling everything, but I don't think she is, and I think you guys need to, like, come give her more support. So then they show up and are like, oh, okay, we need to be here with you around Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to help you out with this. You've been so strong about it, and, like, we're try- we thought that you had it handled, but, like, obviously, like, you need help and support too. Yes. So we're here to give you more support. And she's like, oh, my gosh, thank you guys. And they're like, and then, like, one of them lets it slip that Carl was the one who, like, told them. This is a completely different storyline. Yeah. Well, it's so uh, hard because basically this movie just leaves it as, like, well, Sarah doesn't have room for anyone in her life other than caring for her mentally ill brother. So um, she can't have love. She can't have her own life. She has to be at his, you know, ready to help him at any second. And that's her ending. That's it. There's no commentary. There's no character development whatsoever. It's just, like, kind of a bummer. I'm glad she loves her brother, but, you know, she's got her own life to live, too. Um, okay, Colin, just cut it, right? Like, just cut it. We don't need yeah, this. Yeah, get, get rid of that. There's no... That wasn't entertaining. It wasn't funny. It wasn't anything. It was just garbage. Um, and then John and Judy, Martin Freeman, and uh, Make Jonah it more. Page. More. More of it. Yay, we mm-hmm. fixed the movie. It's now eight hours long. Uh- it's actually a miniseries. <laughs> It's actually eight different movies. <laughs> Colin yeah, it's actually involved. a um, sitcom coming to CBS this fall. <laughs> All right. Um, we've talked about this one for years. Honestly, let's... we've done like two episodes worth of this movie. Let's get rid of it. Let's put it in the machine. Let's get... <laughs> beep boop, beep boop, beep boop, beep boop. <laughs> beep boop. <laughs> It's like when they say and I for a long time. Anyway. All right. The results are in and Love Actually is coming in at number 28 of the 54 movies we watched, um, which puts it below Christmas Inheritance and above Falling for Christmas. Like there's romances in it. There's yeah. Christmas in it. There are some com- comedic bits. I laughed a couple times. But is it a Christmas rom-com? No. It's not. Parts of it. Parts of it are. Yeah, parts some of storylines are. But some of it isn't. So here we are. Some of it's not even romantic. Um, so that's it for us. <laughs> We're free. <laughs> We're free. I guess. Uh, do you want to do like top five and bottom five real quick? Just. Yeah. Like our personal or what's in the computer? What's in the computer? No one cares about our feelings. Okay. So let's do the bottom five first, starting at number one, two, three, four, five. Okay, starting at number 50, we have Home <laughs> for Christmas 2014, which was that British movie that was nothing. It was so boring. It was about the woman <laughs> who wanted to be in a rom-com. <laughs> then we have number 51, Four Christmases, mm. which was Vince Vaughn, Reese Witherspoon, Garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Four Christmases. More like, no, I don't have a joke. Never mind. (laughs) Good one. Uh, Number 52, The Christmas Switch. I can't even get through the title of that movie without laughing. It was so garbage. As a reminder, since we've had a lot of ones involving switches, that was the one with the body swapping Santa, right? Yes, where the guy fell in... Where the love interest swapped bodies with with the other romantic interests dad and fell in love with her while he was being her dad i stand by um the fact that i recommend watching that movie and may watch it again just because it is so bad and funny yeah maybe if you're like drunk on spiked eggnog or something yeah uh number 53 a christmas in new york which was our hotel anthology series oh yeah which was not a romance not a comedy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and not even shit Christmas. all to do with Christmas. 
That was the one with uh-huh. weaponized Christmas, right? Where they just randomly were like, how could you do this at Christmas? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then our worst Christmas rom-com that we watched was 2005's Just Friends starring Ryan Reynolds and who was the female? Who was the woman in that? Uh, It's Anna Ferris, right? Oh, well, oh, no, Anna she's in it. Is in it. It was such a Some memorable... Woman. Amy Smart. Oh, boy. I think the less said about that one, the better. That was... Yeah. Mm-mm. Never felt more betrayed by Ryan Reynolds in my life. <laughs> All right. And then top five? Yes. Ending on a positive note. Top five. Starting at number five. Oh, classic. Married by Christmas. Mm. The one where she has to be married by Christmas in order to inherit her family's business. It was so good, you guys. Yeah. Uh, number four, The Night Before Christmas, one of the Vanessa, <laughs> Vanessa Hudgens-verse movies. <laughs> I will say I don't personally like that movie that much, but I think it is a really good example of, like, what a Christmas rom-com is, you know? Like, I, I didn't it. enjoy it that much, but, like... It was so campy, yeah. It was, it mm. was like, cheesy, campy, but it really, it did it well. Got yeah. the job done. Uh, number three, this one was from a long time ago. Naughty and Nice. The um, oh yeah, the Haley Duff one. And that was the one where he is like a shock jock that moves to small town to do a radio show with Haley Duff, who is like a uh, I don't know, solving people's problems over the air sort of thing, right? Relationship coach, I think. Yeah, like yeah. And that mm-hmm. one I think is um, of our list probably the best example of the classic christmas rom-com trope person from big city goes to small city and i think handles it the best in that it's not dismissive of either of those options i agree it was good and number two let it snow another anthology film but done well (laughs) netflix original from this year the best anthology film yes and number one couldn't be beat while you were sleeping, 1995, starring America's sweetheart, Sandra Bullock. Which is so weird to me because I think we talked about in that episode. I had seen that before and, like, didn't consider it a Christmas film. But then rewatching it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is, like, a Christmas film for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's so good, you guys. For mm. a film made in Classic. 1995, do you have a movie that maybe wasn't in our top five that was more of a personal favorite for you that maybe wasn't so... Mm. Christmas rom commy, but still checked a lot of oh, boxes. Oh man, uh, that's a good question. Um, for me, I don't know. I feel like a lot of them do kind of blend together. This is true. I have a special place in my heart for Spirit of Christmas, just because I think that's kind of the first one that I really watched of these. Because I'd watched that like a few years ago. Um, yes, and, and the ghost is so hot. The ghost is really hot, and it also, but it it makes no sense. Like the movie's not good, um, and it's oh, not yeah, very no. comedic either. But I do like that one, and I liked um, the other uh, fake marriage one with um, what's her face from Schitt's Creek. I like that one a lot too. Oh shoot, I know which one you're talking about, and now I can't think of the name of it. Um, Hitched for the holidays might be Hitched for the holidays. The one with Joey Lawrence. Yes, 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 yes. Um, how about you? What were were there any highlights that we missed? You know, <laughs> the more I think about it, the more I really love snowmans. <laughs> 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 no, I really like that movie. I really also enjoyed uh, Holiday Calendar is a good one. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. As well as the Christmas calendar. <laughs> I like calendars. Yeah. Advent calendars are yeah. cool. I like that trope. Mm-hmm. I think there's probably a lot also that we didn't cover that probably should have. We've talked yes. about, like, there's a lot of... Ho- although right now Hallmark is, you know, on everybody's shit list because of the lesbian thing. Um, yeah. Kind of glad we didn't watch more of their movies now. Yeah, yeah. But here's... Okay, I do want to have this on the record because Netflix came out and, like, tweeted about, like, oh, we have lesbians in our Christmas movies with Let It Snow and, like, they're... I guess they have a TV series that's, like, has a lesbian couple in it or something and is set at Christmas. Um, that's cool, Netflix, but, like, I remember what y'all did in Christmas Prince, too. So y'all ain't blameless either yep. over here. Don't come out 
here acting like you're that the is big recent history LGBT Netflix. perfect rep. Like, come on. <laughs> recent history. This isn't to like be in defense of Hallmark. Y'all can go suck a dick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, i'm just gonna watch let it snow on repeat right until next year <laughs> uh so that's it for this podcast you don't need to review us or subscribe i guess because we're done we're done i'm not gonna say we'll never do this concept ever again because who knows but you know probably not uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it would be kind of fun maybe sometime in the distant future to do, like, just regular rom-coms. I forgot how much I like mm-hmm. just a regular old rom-com, you know? Yeah. Or maybe, like, a yearly episode where we review the the year's offerings. Yeah, that could be fun, too. That might be a thing. But don't hold out for that, because right now we're Stick real- it behind a paywall, though. <laughs> right. Yeah, we're real kidding. burnt out on Christmas. If you do like listening to us uh, and want to continue to do so every week, starting in 2019, we are taking our bi-weekly podcast, Shelf Aware. 2020, starting in 2020. 2020, you're right. Starting in 2020, we are taking our bi-weekly podcast, Shelf Aware, and it will be a weekly podcast. We uh, talk about books over there. Uh, we just finished a new adult romance unit, so you know we talk about some of the yes. same sort of tropes and things over there occasionally we also cover animorphs uh weirdly (laughs) which you didn't realize is going to be your new favorite book series it's so good not you i meant our listeners you already knew of course um so yeah i guess check that out is my final call to action on this podcast um yeah so check us out there we've got um i don't know i can't promise that we'll be looking at this email account anymore but if you um do need to get in touch with us you can Email us at shelfawarecast at gmail.com. <laughs> and I don't know. I guess we don't have any other sign-offs for this. Yeah. Bye. It's the most wonderful time of year because it's Christmas right now. For you me. can't fight for- Christmas. Can't fight it. <laughs> <laughs>